And why don't we welcome up, as he's got the t-shirt on perfectly well, he's the daddy, Mike Green, come and join us. As Steve said, can you guys hear me? I'm the proud dad of Daniel, age two, and Jonathan, aged only two months. So you can imagine I've not had that many wakeful nights over the last little while. Um, to introduce myself, I'm actually just going to tell a little bit of a story. Ali, my wife, and I were invited to have a dinner at a friend's house across on the other side of the town. So I decided to run there, taking Daniel in our three-wheel buggy, which I was getting quite good at at the time. Um, I was ramping up one of the pavements, which I didn't really have to slow down all that much to do, when to my horror, the front wheel pivoted and the entire buggy caught against the pavement and flipped. I crashed over the buggy. Now, just to say, that period of time between then and me knowing that Daniel was basically going to be okay was my worst ever time period as a father. Followed very closely closely by my sheepish arrival at my friend's house where I had to explain to my wife in front of my friends why my son had blood all over the lower half of his face. You'll be glad to know that the scars are pretty much recovered and Daniel is okay at the moment. <laughs> Thank you. As, as a new parent, I'm in the great position where I get to stand in front of you guys and talk about the hopes and aspirations I have as a dad without really having to back them up with much experience, or without having to line up well-behaved children to kind of prove you know, the, that I'm doing the things that I'm talking about. And prospective parents or parents with kids the same age can sort of applaud me and think, wow, what a good talk, while parents with teenagers will be laughing under their breath and say, I'll see you again in 15 years' time, buddy. <laughs> To tell the truth, my track record as a dad isn't even perfect at this point. Um, I've often been known to zone out totally at the dinner table. So my wife will say something to me like, do you realize that Daniel has just told you three times about the car transporter he saw today, and you have given him absolutely no reaction whatsoever? Um, or another time, I'm on my phone checking a joke message that a South African friend has sent me, and Jonathan might just have thrown up and be almost smothering in his own vomit, and I've not even noticed it. But worse than this, I can sometimes be quite short with Ali in front of the kids, which is something I really don't want to do, um, because I know that they're going to take cues from me as to how to relate to their wives one day. But even worse than that, I've been struggling to find personal one-on-one -on -one time with God which I know is the powerhouse of my life and is going to help me be the best parent that I possibly can be. As much as God has grace in the busy season in my life, I'd have to be honest with you while I stand here and say that I've probably spent more time on BBC Sport in the last week than one-on-one -on -one time with God. Ouch. That said, when it comes to my boys, I have very high hopes and aspirations. I want to get close to them and I want to stay close to them. I want to be their friend, and I also want them to learn from me that who I become is far more important than the things that I achieve. I want to be available to them when they need, but I don't just want to be their provider. I can't wait 
for the camaraderie that's going to develop, especially on mountain holidays, where, where I'm going to see them progress from being in the backpack to climbing little bits on their own, to climbing whole mountains on their own, to scrambling up rocky sections, to attacking gigantic mountains with ice axes, crampons, and ropes, and clinging on to precipitous drops where one wrong move could mean sure and certain death. Okay, Ali's starting to get a little bit nervous in the front row. Um, but you know what I'd most like to see? I'd most like to see them come to a relationship with Jesus for themselves. But how are these dreams going to be realized if even by my own standards I seem to be messing up already? Is this something you can relate to as well? You'll be glad to know that I'm not here to get you down on Father's Day, but to introduce you to the Father that will never let us down. It was years after I decided that I believed in the truths of Christianity and to follow Jesus that I, it actually dawned on me that God really wanted me to see him as, as my father. I judged mamby-pamby Christians who were always talking about their feelings and actually missed out because of that. It was something that God really wanted from me. Now, while just chasing after feelings, on the one hand, is not necessarily a good thing, being close to feeling loved by God, which is where I was, is also not a good thing. So what changed? Well, I was faithfully exposed to years of good teaching in this church. I remember particularly a powerful preach on the verse where Jesus says to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. The reason why this particularly struck, struck me was that actually we know for sure from the Bible that at least two of Jesus' disciples had a parent who was alive. So he was in no way talking about the external, but he was saying that without God dwelling inside us, each one of us is actually an orphan. This eventually started to drip feed me, and I'm not sure if this will resonate with anyone else here, but I eventually could see that under an exterior where it looked like everything was going okay and that I was doing fine, there was an inner brokenness which was hidden under many layers of bravado. Little by little, as I learned that God can be trusted with my future, I let down my defenses and he overwhelmed me with his love. I'm a mushy dad and I don't mind saying that I really love Daniel and Jonathan. Now, while two-month-old Jonathan might not even mind trading me with one of his toys, I know at least that Daniel loves me. Not just because he's learned to say the words, but because I can see the way that he looks at me. And you know what? That's how it's meant to be with us and God. It breaks me when I see that the things that I really want in my relationship with sons are the very things that God actually wants in his relationship with me. He wants me to be close and to stay close. He wants me to be a friend and wants me to know that I'm far more important to him than the things I, could, I can achieve. He wants to be av available to me when I'm in need, but he doesn't just want to be my provider. He wants to zealously attack giant obstacles with me and overcome them. And guess what? He also wants me to know no parental failure on my part is beyond his ability to fix it. Yes. 
Now that's good news. Um, Just as I will always forgive my boys, if I see they genuinely are sorry for something and that they plan to try to do the right thing, I know that God will always forgive me. It's this knowledge deep down that gives me the courage to stand up in front of you guys and say, I'm a good dad, and to actually mean it. I firmly believe that God will take my attempts and turn them into something amazing. A while back, I was playing on a slide with my nephew, Philip, who was about three at the time. Inevitably, he started getting bored of going down the slide normally, so under my egging on, he started to try a few more adventurous things. Um, You can guess what happened. I eventually had to carry him back to his mother crying. Um, I'd messed up again on my watch, I know. No one in this audience is ever going to trust me anywhere near their kids in the future. But you know what happened next? When he'd calmed down and were about to leave, I got down to his level and I said to him, do you want to go back to that slide now and do it just one more time? I know you can do it. And he saw in my eyes that I meant it. You know what? We walked hand in hand back to that slide. He did it perfectly. And when we walked back to the car, he had a swagger. And I was also so proud of him. He'd done amazingly. You know what? That's the picture that I want us to have of when God sees us mess up and encourages us in the right direction. You know what? It might actually not be like that for you today. Maybe you're a parent of teenagers, as I was referring to earlier, and there's a lot of emotional distance between you and your kids. Maybe actually it's hard for you to hear this talk because actually you might have no relationship with your kids or even your father. Maybe your father wasn't a good father. Maybe your father did all the wrong things that I was talking about earlier. You know what? Today's the best day to do something about that. I just want to stand up here as an encouragement. Take those things and that pain that you feel, and take it to God. Give Him your hopes and aspirations, and let Him turn it into something beautiful. Whatever your situation, it's not too late. I'm going to finish with this thought. Please, let's not cower in the defeats of our past, but reign in the victory Jesus won for us. Thank you, guys. Just as you are... Just as you're clapping and celebrating what's Mike shared, let's welcome up Surinder, can we? Woo-hoo! Outstanding. Well, just as I said at the start, people from right the way across the church with a story to show who are living with incredible lives of integrity. And so what I've asked Sarinda to do, maybe first of all, if you could uh, start by introducing your family to us, that'd be okay? Yeah. There are pictures appearing behind us, I think. Yeah, um, as you can see, my beautiful wife standing next to me. She's here with me this morning. Um, My eldest son, Aaron, uh, my daughter, Bianca, and my youngest son, Vinod. Outstanding, okay. I'm really proud of them. Now, Surinder's got an incredible story of him kind of coming from feeling like God is a controlling father to really releasing life and freedom in his family. And so maybe you could start at the beginning, as it were, and just kind of give us the the build-up to kind of how you came about and the situation that you were in. Sure. Um, I'm actually the eldest of uh, six children. Um, I've got four sisters and a brother. And we kind of grew up in a home um, where we had a dad who was very set in his ways. Um, He tends to be very controlling. 
And it came to the point where he would actually pick the very subjects that we would study in upper school. And um, I don't know how you would feel about studying biology, chemistry, and physics. But um, for me, like, you know, cutting things up in a lab and seeing things going fizz just wasn't for me. Okay. Didn't cut it. And, um, you know, over time, you know, um, as my, da my, my dad, you know, he, he, he kind of softened up as we went over over the years. But, um, you know, I don't know how, you know, um, you would feel, but my dad passed away about two months after I got married uh, to my beautiful wife. And she was the one that kind of helped me to pull through that time. Um, and this was when I found out that um, in the Indian culture, um, the eldest son in the family takes on the mantle of the father. And, um, and he also acts as a covering to his uh, widowed mother. And you can probably imagine like the, you know, being this father figure, a brother, and just starting out on my journey as a husband kind of took a, a toll on me and that responsibility was quite burdensome. So at a very young age, you're carrying huge amounts of responsibility and um, you know, coming from a very controlling background with your father, what was it that kind of provoked you to kind of come to faith? I know there's a story behind that as well. Yeah, um, well, one day I got invited to go along to a church um, and I, I just you know, really didn't know what to expect and sort of sat at the back. Um, and over time, I, I continued to go for about five months. I used to just sit at the back um, listen to what the Bible had to uh, say about God um, and watch all these people worshipping a God they couldn't see and, um, and just, you know, kind of going through with that flow. And, and there was a sense of peace within me, right. you know, just being in church and, and thinking that just me attending there and being there, that everything was going to work itself out, okay. that surely that God can see me there and, okay. you know, he's going to point his finger at, at the situation and sort of thunder and lightning was come and just make it go away. Okay. Well, I know, you know you've been there for about yeah. five, five months. You're waiting for God to do something, but then you responded. What happened? Yeah, um, I, I built up this, this courage within me to just to take, a, take a step of faith and go to the front. But here's the thing. In my heart, I was saying to myself, God, I want, to, I want you to show me that you're real. Um, so it was that what was, what was going through in me as I went to the front. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit just then? Yeah, it, it was when I was prayed for right. so shortly after I got baptized. And I had this huge encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I must have shouted so loud that the church roof needed fixing. Right. It was just like chairs going everywhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm loud anyway. So Yeah, come yeah. on. Isn't that good news? Well, listen. What I know from Sarinda was that that was the turning point, the catalyst of actually a dramatic change in how he was leading his family. And just tell us the verse that you said um, was the one that was almost, is almost foundational now to the way, in light of encountering a releasing father, that you've been living. Maybe it's going to appear behind us again. Yeah, um, it's in First uh, Corinthians 11.1, 1, and it says, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Um, and, I, and I don't know, you know, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian here today, um, now, it's, it's that basic instinct in us that anybody we're, that we're raising up, we want the best for them, yeah. you know. And, and as a family, you know, um, being a, a leader to them, yeah. they, I want them to be able to see 
that an example that I'm actually following Christ yes. in all that I do. Very good. And so just finally then, why don't you unpack for us um, what's kind of changed in you and how you do that in light of wanting to be a model to your children and to those around you? Mm. Yeah, well, it's very much um, keeping Christ at the center of everything yeah. and lo- looking to him for the answers and, and being as a, a role model to, to my children, you know, and, and they can see that as we pray together on a, you know, ever so often. And we, we've uh, seen God break in and break through and answer to prayer, you know, and, and I'm, a lot of us have been trained, you know, to think on a horizontal level rather than looking to uh, God in a vertical sense. You know, and, and horizontally, we, we, you know, we tend to uh, do things out through self-effort um, and trying to do things through reasoning, you know. But it's about looking to God and waiting for him to break in and impact the problem. Fantastic. Can we celebrate what God's speaking and how he's moved in Serena's life? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well done. This is so good to do. And listen, I have incredible pleasure in asking you to welcome with me Emma Johnson as she comes to speak to us. Morning. Um, like Steve said, I'm Emma. I'm married to Paul and I have four children. I'm not quite sure what it says about us as a family that both pictures are taken in uh, American diner, restaurant, McDonald's, and junk food. But anyway, that's. Uh, um, so I have four, and life at times is crazy fun. Um, sometimes it's just crazy, if I'm honest. And uh, we've had to stop watching Cheaper by the Dozen because I love children and I quite like the craziness. And it does get me a bit broody, and so I'm not allowed to watch it anymore. Amen. <laughs> See? Um, But I wanted to share a little bit about my story uh, with you this morning, um, because I'm aware for some that Father's Day isn't easy, and mine, to be honest, are always bittersweet. I'm fortunate to be married to someone who is an amazing father, and uh, I'm really enjoying with the children celebrating him today. I also get to celebrate Paul's dad, Ken. I've gained a fantastic set of in-laws when I married Paul, They are definitely one of the benefits. Obviously, there are more, but they're they're definitely one of them. Um, But as for my own dad, well, he used to be in the REF, and we were living in Germany when he started developing headaches and problems with his eyes. And he was very quickly rushed to hospital in England. My mum, sister, and I quickly followed. And then my sister and I lived with my aunt and uncle in Brighton for a few months whilst my mum went back to Germany and picked, uh, packed up the house. And then later on, the RAF provided housing for us in Sussex for us to live while we did weekly trips up to London and then later to a hospital in Sussex to visit my dad. He went into hospital when I was nine. He was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour and never came out again, uh, dying when I was ten. For him and us, it was a long and painful death. And unfortunately, whilst I have some good memories of him that show he was a good dad, they are like short video clips or snapshots. And I've probably only got a handful at that. I know he loved football and supported Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, I remember him taking me to football matches where he refereed. I remember training our puppy together, ice skating on a frozen lake, 
going to an American cinema on the base where we were living to watch Jungle Book. I remember him struggling to cope with a simple cold, something that I've inherited. Man flu hadn't been recognized back then. <laughs> and uh, him telling me stories of when he was growing up and the trouble he caused. When I was little, I couldn't quite believe that someone could have that many injuries or cause so much damage to their siblings or home. But now I have boys, I can see how it happens. <laughs> it wasn't until later on, as I got older, that I realized I grew up missing some of the things that can be inbuilt naturally if you've grown up with a good dad. I miss that sense of protection and security that a dad brings. I miss the affirmation and sense of identity that a dad can provide. I miss my dad, but I wanted to say this morning that I am not fatherless. For those of you today who don't have a dad, you don't have to be fatherless. And I want to share a little bit of my journey as knowing God as a father. I love that God is a good, good father. And for some of us who've had a great dad, that's easy to grasp hold of. But for others of us, it's a journey of revelation from God. But either way, we can know what it is to have a relationship with an amazing, loving father. And I've just got a few examples of how God is fathering and has fathered me. So the first one is, I now know that I'm loved and never alone. He is so determined that we're to know love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. The message version puts it this way. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. For me, it started three weeks before my dad died. My mum took me along to a Christian week-long camp and into a meeting a bit like this, but it was in a tent, and there were hundreds of kids. It was there I felt God's love for the first time. It was a tangible presence around me. I felt warmth and peace and just a sense of love that I'd not felt for a long time. And I knew that I needed to know this God that they were talking about. That was the beginning of God showing his love for me, which is now over 30 years ago. He's had to work hard at showing me love, as I found it hard to accept. I spent a lot of my teenage years alone and believing lies that if I got close to people, they would leave me. I still pull back and withdraw sometimes when I'm hurt, and I'm still getting used to my Heavenly Father being there for me. But he keeps on showing me his loving kindness and that pulling towards him, that wooing me back to him again. I wish you could see all the times that I've pulled away and how he's loved me back to him again, but I'd probably be embarrassed as it's quite a lot. Since then, sometimes I've felt alone, but I know I'm not, and I don't have to try and do everything by myself. The second example is I know he's my protector. He's loving my rough areas smooth. I was hurting, and I didn't have an outlet for the grief and anger I felt. Um, I thought I had to protect and defend myself. And I used to use cold, bitchy comments. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that in church, but anyway, cold, bitchy <laughs> comments to attack and hurt others. Um, I kept people at arm's length. Uh, I was afraid to trust them. 
I don't have to do that anymore because God, through pictures he gave me and revelation, he show me, shows me that he protects my heart and defends me and I can trust him. He showed me pictures of my heart and it started off being incredibly tough and leathery and I knew that circumstances had caused that but also I'd allowed my heart to get really hard because I didn't want it to get hurt again. And then he showed me another picture of his hands around my heart and that I could trust him with my heart to protect me. And then he showed me another picture of my heart and almost like wings and just that he was bringing me freedom. The third thing is he affirms me and has shown me value. So one of the things I've been most aware of is just a lack of affirmation. If I'm honest, I hear Paul telling our daughter Anna that she's beautiful or that he's proud of her, and there are times where I've felt jealous. I've craved for people to tell me nice things about myself. But here's the amazing thing. God loves to let us know how great he thinks we are. He has written loads about it in the Bible for us to read verses such as we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're now sons and daughters of God. We're holy and dearly loved. But not only that, in my life, he obviously thinks I'm not listening well enough and he gets people to tell me. A few years back now, when I had realized some of the extent to which I longed to be affirmed and feel special, to feel beautiful, a lady in the church called Mika would come up to me most Sundays and say things like, good morning, beautiful, or God thinks you're beautiful. And this went on for nearly a year. I mean, at times I was like, yeah, okay. And it's not till I've looked back that I thought, God knew I just needed to hear that. And so Mika was faithful and just kept saying it till I got it. In the last couple of years, Paul's dad, Ken, has fathered me. He tells me he loves me and is proud of me. Psalm 68 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. God puts people around us to encourage us and love us and to give us glimpses of fatherly love that he wants us to know. If you haven't known a father or still missing your dad, I know God wants to draw close to you today and comfort you to reveal his deep love for you and his promise that you will never be alone.